This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Deborah Clark, Winnipeg, Canada. The History of the Peloponnesian War by Thucydides. Translated by Richard Crawley. Book 7, Chapter 22. Nineteenth Year of the War. Arrival of Demosthenes. Defeat of the Athenians at Epipolae. Folly and obstinacy of Nicias. In the meantime, while the Syracusans were preparing for a second attack upon both elements, Demosthenes and Eurmedon arrived with the succors from Athens, consisting of about seventy-three ships, including the foreigners, nearly five thousand heavy infantry, Athenian and allied, a large number of darters, Hellenic and barbarian, and slingers and archers, and everything else upon a corresponding scale. The Syracusans and their allies were for the moment not a little dismayed at the idea that there was to be no term or ending to their dangers, seeing, in spite of the fortification of Declia, a new army arrived nearly equal to the former, and the powers of Athens proving so great in every quarter. On the other hand, the first Athenian armament regained a certain confidence in the midst of its misfortunes. Demosthenes, seeing how matters stood, felt that he could not drag on and fare as Nicias had done, who, by wintering in Catana instead of at once attacking Syracuse, had allowed the terror of his first arrival to evaporate in contempt, and had given time to Gallippus to arrive with a force from Peloponnese, which the Syracusans would never have sent for if he had attacked immediately, for they fancied that they were a match for him by themselves, and would not have discovered their inferiority until they were already invested. And even if they then sent for suckers, they would no longer have been equally able to profit by their arrival. Recollecting this, and well aware that it was now on the first day after his arrival, that he, like Nicias, was most formidable to the enemy, Demosthenes determined to lose no time in drawing the utmost profit from the consternation at the moment inspired by his army. And seeing that the counterwall of the Syracusans, which hindered the Athenians from investing them, was a single one, and that he, who should become master of the way up to Epipoli, and afterwards of the camp there, would find no difficulty in taking it, as no one would even wait for his attack, made all haste to attempt the enterprise. This he took to be the shortest way of ending the war, as he would either succeed and take Syracuse, or would lead back the armament instead of frittering away the lives of the Athenians engaged in the expedition and the resources of the country at large. First, therefore, the Athenians went out and laid waste the lands of the Syracusans about the Anipus and carried all before them, as at first by land and by sea, the Syracusans not offering to oppose them upon either element, unless it were with their cavalry and darters from the Olympium. Next, Demosthenes resolved to attempt the counterwall first by means of engines. As, however, the engines that he brought up were burnt by the enemy fighting from the wall, and the rest of the forces repulsed after attacking at many different points, he determined to delay no longer, and, having obtained the consent of Nicias and his fellow commanders, proceeded to put in execution his plan of attacking Epipole. As by day it seemed impossible to approach and get up without being observed, he ordered provisions for five days, took all the masons and carpenters and other things such as arrows and everything else they could want for the work of fortification if successful, and after the first watch set out with Eurymedon and Menander and the whole army for Epipole, Nicias being left behind in the lines. Having come up by the hill of Euryalus, where the former army had ascended at first, unobserved by the enemy's guards, they went up to the fort which the Syracusans had there and took it, and put to the sword part of the garrison. The greater number, however, escaped 
escaped at once and gave the alarm to the camps, of which there were three upon Epipolae, defended by outworks, one of the Syracusans, one of the other Siciliots, and one of the allies, and also to the six hundred Syracusans forming the original garrison for this part of Epipolae. These at once advanced against the assailants, and, falling in with Demosthenes and the Athenians, were routed by them after a sharp resistance, the victors immediately pushing on, eager to achieve the objects of the attack, and without giving time for their ardor to cool. Meanwhile, others from the very beginning were taking the counter-wall of the Syracusans, which was abandoned by its garrison, and pulling down the battlements. The Syracusans and the allies, and Gallippus, with the troops under his command, advanced to the rescue from the outworks, but engaged in some consternation, a night attack being a piece of audacity which they had never expected, and were at first compelled to retreat. But while the Athenians, flushed with their victory, now advanced with less order, wishing to make their way as quickly as possible through the whole force of the enemy not yet engaged, without relaxing their attack or giving them time to rally, the Boeotians made the first stand against them, attacked them, routed them, and put them to flight. The Athenians now fell into great disorder and perplexity, so that it was not easy to get from one side or the other any detailed account of the affair. By day, certainly, the combatants had a clearer notion, though even then by no means of all that takes place, no one knowing much of anything that does not go on in his own immediate neighborhood. But in a night engagement, and this was the only one that occurred between great armies during the war, how could any one know anything for certain? Although there was a bright moon, they saw each other only as men do by moonlight. That is to say, they could distinguish the form of the body, but could not tell for certain whether it was a friend or an enemy. Both had great numbers of heavy infantry moving about in a small space. Some of the Athenians were already defeated, while others were coming up yet unconquered for their first attack. A large part of the rest of their forces either had only just got up or were still ascending, so that they did not know which way to march. Owing to the rout that had taken place, all in front was now in confusion, and the noise made it difficult to distinguish anything. The victorious Syracusans and allies were cheering each other on with loud cries, by night the only possible means of communication, and meanwhile receiving all who came against them, while the Athenians were seeking from one another, taking all in front of them for enemies, even though they might be some of their own, now flying friends, and by constantly asking for the watchword, which was their only means of recognition, not only caused great confusion among themselves by asking all at once, but also made it known to the enemy, whose own they did not so readily discover as the Syracusans were victorious and not scattered, and thus less easily mistaken. The result was that if the Athenians fell in with a party of the enemy that was weaker than they, it is escaped them through knowing their watchword, while if they themselves failed to answer, they were put to the sword. But what hurt them as much, or indeed more than anything else, was the singing of the paean from the perplexity which it caused by being nearly the same on either side. The Argives and the Corsinians, and any other Dorian peoples in the army, struck terror into the Athenians whenever they raised their paean, no less than did the enemy. Thus, after being once thrown into disorder, they ended by coming into collision with each other in many parts of the field, friends with friends and citizens with citizens, and not only terrified one another, but even came to blows and could only be parted with difficulty. In the pursuit many perished by throwing themselves down the cliffs, the way down from Epipolae being narrow, and those who got down safely into the plain, although many, especially those who belonged to the first arm escaped through their better acquaintance of the locality. Some of the newcomers lost their way and wandered over the country, and were cut off in the morning by the Syracusan cavalry and killed. 
the next day the syracusans set up two trophies one upon epipolae where the ascent had been made and the other on the spot where the first check was given by the boeotians and the athenians took back their dead under truce a great many of the athenians and allies were killed although still more arms were taken than could be accounted for by the number of dead and as some of those who were obliged to leap down from the cliffs without their shields escaped with their lives and did not perish like the rest after this the syracusans recovering their old confidence at such an unexpected stroke of good fortune dispatched sicanus with fifteen ships to the aggregentum where there was a revolution to induce if possible the city to join them while gallippus again went by land into the rest of sicily to bring up reinforcements being now in hope of taking the athenian lines by storm after the result of the affair on epipolae in the meantime the athenian generals consulted upon the disaster which had happened and upon the general weakness of the army they saw themselves unsuccessful in their enterprises and the soldiers disgusted with their stay disease being rife among them owing to it being the sickly season of the year and to the marshy and unhealthy nature of the spot in which they were encamped and the state of their affairs generally being thought desperate accordingly demosthenes was of the opinion they ought not to stay any longer but agreeably to his original idea in risking the attempt upon epipolae now that this had failed he gave his vote for going away without further loss of time while the sea might yet be crossed and their late reinforcement might give them the superiority at all events on that element he also said that it would be more profitable for the state to carry on the war against those who were building fortification in attica than against the syracusans whom it was no longer easy to subdue besides which it was not right to squander large sums of money to no purpose by going on with the siege this was the opinion of demosthenes nicias without denying the bad state of their affairs was unwilling to avow their weakness or to have it reported to the enemy that the athenians in full council were openly voting for retreat for in that case they would be much less likely to effect it when they wanted without discovery moreover his own particular information still gave him reason to hope that the affairs of the enemy would soon be in a worse state than their own if the athenians persevered in the siege as they would wear out the syracusans by want of money especially with the more extensive command of the sea now given them by their present navy besides this there was a party in syracuse who wished to betray the city to the athenians and kept sending him messages and telling him not to raise the siege accordingly knowing this and really waiting because he hesitated between the two courses and wished to see his way more clearly in his public speech on this occasion he refused to lead off the army saying he was sure the athenians would never approve of their returning without a vote of theirs those who would vote upon their conduct instead of judging the facts as eyewitnesses like themselves and not from what they might hear from hostile critics would simply be guided by the calumnies of the first clever speaker while many indeed most of the soldiers on the spot who now so loudly proclaimed the danger of their position when they reached athens would proclaim just as loudly the opposite and would say that their generals had been bribed to betray them and return for himself therefore who knew the athenian temper sooner than perish under a dishonorable charge and by an unjust sentence at the hands of the athenians he would rather take his chance and die if die he must a soldier's death at the hands of the enemy besides after all the syracusans were in a worse case than themselves what with paying mercenaries 
spending upon fortified posts and now for a full year maintaining a large navy they were already at a loss and would soon be at a standstill they had already spent two thousand talents and incurred heavy debts besides and could not lose even ever so small a fraction of their present force through not paying it without ruin to their cause depending as they did more upon mercenaries than upon soldiers obliged to serve like their own he therefore said they ought to stay and carry on the siege and not depart defeated in point of money in which they were much superior nicias spoke positively because he had exact information of the financial distress at syracuse and also because of the strength of the athenian party there which kept sending him messages not to raise the siege besides which he had more confidence than before in his fleet and felt sure at least of its success demosthenes however would not hear for a moment of continuing the siege but said that if they could not lead off the army without a decree from athens and if they were obliged to stay on they ought to remove to thapsus or katana where their land forces would have a wide extent of country to overrun and could live by plundering the enemy and would thus do them damage while the fleet would have the open sea to fight in that is to say instead of a narrow space which was all in the enemy's favor a wide sea-room where their science would be of use and where they could retreat or advance without being confined or circumscribed either when they put out or put in in any case he was altogether opposed to their staying on where they were and insisted on removing at once as quickly and as with little delay as possible and in this judgment eurmedon agreed nicias however still objecting a certain diffidence and hesitation came over them with a suspicion that nicias might have some further information to make him so positive End of book seven chapter twenty two